Welcome to Illuminate Higher Education, sponsored by End-to-End Services and our Illuminate app. Join us each week to hear from industry leaders, technology leaders in higher education, and most importantly, students. To chat on hot topics, share solutions, collaborate, and envision the future of higher education together. Let's illuminate higher education once and for all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Illuminate Higher Education. We are here with part two of the interview with David Blake. David is the co-founder of Degreed and of LearnIn, um, and he currently serves as the CEO of LearnIn. If you didn't listen to the first part of this interview yet, make sure you go back and do that. That was the last episode. Uh, so go ahead and listen to that first so you have some context for what we're talking about in this episode. And then um, I hope that you'll come back and enjoy listening to part two of our interview with David Blake. When I listened to your uh, previous podcast, I, I I came off with some understanding that Degreed is more focused on upskilling and reskilling. So I kind of came up with this uh, idea that you are more focused on corporate training, but uh, not as a lifelong learning. Um, because the reason I say that is, for example, I saw I see LinkedIn Learning as a lifelong learning tool right? Like Linda, which is now purchased by LinkedIn Learning or Udemy, where somebody wants to learn a skill, they go in and enroll. And that's what we are currently doing internally. Um, but you are, I want to, I want you to um, sure. explain this a little bit on Degreed um, as a technology. Is Degreed more for lifelong learning for anybody or is it a tool for employers to help their employees to get upskilled, Reskilled and uh, uh, yeah, I want to hear your thoughts on employers' motives versus employees' motives. Yeah, so when we started Agreed, we knew that unless it was used by employers, it um, as you were referencing, it never would really matter. Just because you can accumulate all of your learning, you know, going back to your Bitcoin, unless you can buy something with it, unless it, you know, unless you can yeah, transact on it. It's, it's kind of worthless. And so we knew we would need a business model that involved employers. And, you know, there was really kind of came down to one or one of two kind of models. One was recruiting, helping companies source um, talent and hire talent. The other was internal to companies, helping um, companies to understand the skills um, and the, the knowledge that their workers have and help them to continue to develop that. In the end, we chose the latter. And so Degreed's business model is that we help, uh, again, some of the, uh, the world's largest organizations to be able to see who has what skills, to help people uh, identify what skills gaps they have uh, against different opportunities. If you wanted to advance this direction, this direction, or this direction, what further skills would you need? And to help people then develop those skills. We do so, we do not develop any learning resources or content. So we do send you off to LinkedIn Learning or to Udemy or to any other of the, we're, we're integrated now with about 2000 um, providers of online education, um, as well as the, giving you the ability to reflect any of the learning you do, whether it's online or offline from any provider or source, but the learning you do other places. And then degree plays the role of helping to come back and to validate it and to be able to reflect it and to normalize it. 
so that the company can um, understand with certitude that you have progressed and developed those skills. And so we are kind of really the meta lifelong learning platform. You know, Udemy is great. Um, so is LinkedIn Learning. So is, you know, Coursera. Right. So is Pluralsight. But as learners, we are, you know, journeymen. We are, we learn on YouTube and on TED, on LinkedIn Learning and on The Economist, you know, we go between these modalities, we go between these platforms, and Degreed is the thing that sits on top of it and brings it all together. Last thing I will say is Degreed is free for anyone to use, and it is truly free. We have no advertising, and we have no sources of revenue that come from consumers. It is truly free. Um, you own your data. It's portable, and it's lifelong. Our entire model is effectively, the, the whole business model is that enterprise revenue, and so that revenue really subsidizes the platform for everyone. Um, so anyone can go to Degreed. There's a link uh, at the bottom of the page called Degreed for me, and you can sure. register and help give you that uh, uh, ability to find any of the world's learning resources on any topic, to be able to track your learning, to be able to set goals, to be able to measure your skills, and to have that lifelong portable learning record. Yeah, that's great. Well, I think, um... That's really good to hear that you're using available resources, not building your own content library, if you will, because I think that'll be stupid, right? Because there is so much content out there, uh, but there is no reason for you to do that because that is a trap that universities get into. But here's my devil's advocate question, right? Um, learning is only as good as the learner and his or her passions, commitments, and energy. So um, when you, and I've, as an entrepreneur myself, I've seen this problem where I can say all day long saying, go do, go finish this JavaScript course. Um, and I can put even put some metrics on Udemy to see how much time they spent on the platform. But there is no easy way for me to know if they just turned on the video went and played soccer and came back? Or, um, you know, how do we, where's that certifying authority? Like uh, if I if I just say, all right, guys, go finish this mo module. Uh, are you still encouraging employers to say, ask them to finish the JavaScript course, but you need to make sure that they are JavaScript certified. Um, and is that a trap that we get into with standardized tests if you do that? I want to understand, like, so the question I have is, yes, we can give them the resources, mm -hmm. but how do we know they're taking advantage of those? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's a real issue, both in higher education and in corporate training. We are far too quick to measure the inputs. You know, did you enroll? Did you persist? We are less adept at measuring the outcomes, you know, um, at Degreed, how we certify skill for our employers is actually people bring forward evidence of applied mastery. And so okay. it actually doesn't matter what course you took. It doesn't matter whether you completed it or not. You can have gotten halfway through the course and dropped off the course. The inputs don't matter. What we evaluate and measure is applied mastery. And so, again, it truly makes it irrespective of how or where you learned it. We don't care. We don't ask. So whether you went and spent $120,000 learning that, to, you know, a Stanford graduate, um, you know, degree, or you spent, you know, $72 and dropped out halfway through a MOOC, we don't care. We don't know. We don't ask. You know, it, yeah, it, it should truly not matter. Is, it, it doesn't matter. And we're blind to it. What we ask for is the evidence of applied mastery. And we, we have a process for certifying 
that. And that's how we measure skills for the employers that we represent. That's fantastic. So essentially, let's just take a very um, arcane example. I think I'll, I'll back into it because there's a there's an idea that I'm framing in my mind um, on, and I want to end with that, Not, but we're starting to put some ideas here. So let's say you are you want to become a good carpenter, right? You can watch all the YouTube videos you want, right? You can probably sub- submit some evidence that you watch some videos, but is your evidence that they can build a table from a log of wood or is your evidence of mastery something more tangential? So in the job, no, I mean, if, if you came to us and said, I took these seven courses, you'd still be a level zero in our system. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, until you show us the table that you built, you know, there, there is no applied mastery. Okay. Um, so it is entirely on um, the evidence of your applied mastery. So who is the certifying authority here? That's where, so let's take the carpentry example. Is there a carpentry school that will val- evaluate that this guy didn't buy an Ikea table and assemble it? Or, you know, that's the question I want to get to. Yeah, so we have, um, we have different ways of measuring people's skills and different, uh, and then one way of certifying skill. And so we actually do believe that There's lots of different jobs to be done when it comes to measuring skills, and we are slow to comprehend this. We are quick to um, comprehend this in terms of education. You know, we know that an article does a very different job in your life than a conference, than does a graduate degree. All are valuable. They're just serving different needs in your life and in your educational journey. When we start thinking and talking about measuring or certifying or, or credentials, we tend to be very monolithic. We tend to think of it's this binary, you're certified, you're not. It's it's very college degree-esque in, in terms of how people come to this. But we believe that there are many different jobs to be done. So we have, we have several different approaches. In terms of our certification, it is both peer-reviewed and expert-reviewed. Okay. Um, and so, you know, the, the peer review, it is relative. So we send to peers um, blindly here is um, the applied mastery of person A. Here's the applied mastery of person B, whose um, evidence is the stronger demonstration of this particular skill. And okay. so um, humans untrained are good at relative judgment. We are not good at absolute judgment. That you have to essentially be trained for. Right. And that's then, so we have peers do just these blind relative judgments, and that helps give you a bit of a distribution we then send that to train psychometricians and psychometricians are the ones who are evaluating it. And that's what psychometrician means. Someone who is trained at evaluating uh, an assessment or an output against a rubric or sort of a framework and trained psychometricians that then make sort of the, the certifying um, absolute judgment. So we use, we use the power of both. So you have created a full curriculum or sets of curriculum saying, this is JavaScript curriculum. This is Java curriculum. This is Oracle curriculum. This is, I don't know, business administration curriculum. And each curriculum has journeys and paths and rubrics and certification levels. No, um, but, you know, again, uh, we are so conditioned to think about education in the way that the higher education system has, has conditioned us to understand it. Right. No. Um, why does a curriculum matter? 
you know, if you have learned how to code in JavaScript, doesn't matter what curriculum or platform or course or set of courses or which professors or which university you routed yourself through, you know, what matters is whether or not you can write code in, uh, in JavaScript. So no, we do not create right. curriculum on the platform. I mean, um, on the degree platform, uh, individuals, companies, teams, organizations can create pathways, but that's, that's disassociated from, uh, how we certify people when it comes so to certification, certification levels. So yep. not curriculum. So got it. Correct. So you come forward and you show us your, the app that you coded in, in JavaScript and other um, JavaScript uh, writing, you know, software engineers will peer review your code and then it will go to psychometricians, you know? And so it's, uh, and ultimately if you actually uh, take to its literal extreme, what is the definition of an expert ultimately taken to its full extreme? It is, um, uh, its expertise is held in the eyes of sort of a peer community. Because if you say, you know, experts are the people who have PhDs, well, you know, who certified the PhDs? Well, it was, it was other PhDs, you know, it, you had to go and defend your thesis to other experts. And you say, well, you know, no, 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 you know, expertise is people who can pass a test. Well, who wrote the test and who establishes that that test is valid? Other experts taken to its extreme. The, the, the definition of expertise always ends with your expertise is held as expertise by other experts. That's great. Um, and so, no. I mean, at the end of the day, that's the core of it is, you know, do other people who know what they're talking about, you know, value your sort of contribution? No, I agree. I agree completely. I think, for example, like, um, well, let's get back to my own personal example, right? If I want to say, I think I'm a master in business administration, it doesn't matter. I don't need to take any more courses. I just need to show the evidence of my mastery and a peer of entrepreneurs will evaluate my whatever evidence I've submitted. And also probably a, another expert, the psychometrician, I believe, will evaluate it. That's perfect. I, I agree with you completely. It should not matter how we learned it. It should not matter whether we went to school for it. It should not matter when we learned it by ourselves on YouTube or should not matter when we, if we learned it by doing things ourselves. There's no reason to evaluate how we achieved it. Uh, all we need to do is see if where we are on the journey. This is amazing. Yeah. So um, one of the things that um, I was actually discussing, so just like you're working with employers, I've been working with uh, universities and colleges for the last 20 years in many capacities. Uh, right now, some of our um, customers are California Virtual Campus, where we are enabling learning you know, in the in a traditional way, bear with me, uh, by allowing students to learn from any community college within the California system. So they have a concept called online education initiative, and also with Florida Virtual Campus, enabling the Florida campuses to be able to allow students to be able to cross enroll. Again, these are all um, small pieces of the puzzle, but I do think that for us to have a holistic transformation of education. We need to transform education from a educational level, like institution level, to provide them better infrastructure and also um, radically disruptive from the employers also. But one of the things that um, I have been advocating um, pretty aggressively is this concept of personal value ledger, right, um, which is framed on the same 
infrastructure that degree is based on where any person can go in and say i have learned all these things whether it is structured learning or unstructured learning or self learning or lifelong learning and i want to get a credit for it and they build a personal value ledger that um that will include peer reviews like you talked about and also expert reviews to say yes based on the all the portfolio that this person has created now this person is eligible is similar to bachelor in business administration but i think we should run away from those topics either we should say there's an evidence in mastery to show that he has entrepreneurship skills financial management skills and stuff like that so the whole concept of personal value ledger is to give them a ledger that will allow them to display all their credits uh, lifelong learning credits in one place is that from everything you're saying degree skills portfolio is that personal value ledger am i understanding this correctly yeah i mean i i, I you know maybe first lead with again i believe that there are many different jobs to be done so you know to try and say when terms of understanding people's skills or competencies or credentials or the signals in the workforce or marketplace other is going to be sort of one ring to rule them all i don't actually believe that we do need standards and i do believe standards are being set and will be set but i think there's different jobs to be done you know part of in the job that degreed is serving which is helping employers to understand the distinction of who has what skills and at what levels you know we adopted the lumina um foundations framework for um skill mastery and it has eight levels now what that means is you move between those levels it's a matter of years and it's a it's not a matter of 2 years it's more like a matter of like 3 to 5 years you know you don't move from level 3 to level 4 very quickly when the distribution between level 1 and level 8 is you know uh tends to be an entire career you know of 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 40 years or what not So what that means is everyone coming out of a community college experience would still likely be a level 0 in our system. Our system does not do a very good job at differentiating between that level of progress. And why? Because employers don't care. They actually don't. Now, in hiring they kind of do, but with their employee base, they just and in Google famously Google's performance management system when it started had something like 80 levels. and what ended up happening was there was just no distinction so you're level 38 you're level 39 like it's sort of means nothing marginal it's so marginal as to not matter and so i only really start counting caring are you in the level 30s or are you in the level 40s and all of a sudden the google performance you know system was effectively an eight level system you know with your current employees that level of marginal difference just is so small as to not be enough to make a material difference so we're fulfilling a specific role in the world and in the economy and with employers there's other jobs to be done you know i think helping students reflect the sort of competencies or skills of the coursework or experiences that they have as students you know is very meaningful I think the challenge we have in the world is, you know, every university right now is doing it in a different way. And that's where the value or the need for standards comes in, which is, you know, when the California community college system is doing it one way and, you know, Oregon State is doing it a different, it becomes really hard for employers to ever 
um, get enough value to coming to comprehend or understand, you know, um, any one part particular system's um, ledger or sort of reflection of these things. No, I agree. I think uh, you you're right to assume nothing when it comes to educational pedagogy. Uh, yes, they can submit whatever their credential, for lack of a better term, they have earned, but it's still important to evaluate their mastery and see where they're on the journey. That's amazing. So I know we are coming close to the top of the hour here. I want to hear your thoughts on, let's just um, assume that there is some magic potion we can give to community colleges, vocation schools, four-year degree colleges and employers and make them all transform higher education. Let's ignore all the constraints. What do you see as the future of education 10 years from now? Describe what a most efficient four-year college should look like, most efficient employer should look like, and most efficient student should look like. Because you know, I would love to hear your thoughts on where education can be and should be 10 years from now. Yeah, if I could if I could wave a magic wand and change one thing about the higher education system, at the moment I actually wouldn't have anything to do with the well, that was entirely true. I was gonna say with the credential, but I think the biggest change we could make is to actually certify or credential every single semester. That change overnight would take our entire infrastructure, our entire system, and it all of a sudden would be a lifelong system. That single change would turn it into a lifelong system because it creates on-ramps and off-ramps. It creates the, now the unit of education is, you know, four months. And, you know, right now only so many people in the world can participate in a four-year degree and only, you know, so many people in the world can participate in, in a two-year advanced degree. You know, but the number of people who could participate in four months of education is way more, you know, right. uh, and if I could meaningfully consume education four months at a time, you know, go do four months, a set of courses, go do a semester and then go back into my workforce, go back into my workplace, apply the learning. And then a year and a half later, come back and do four more months you know, it would keep us fresher. It'd be more relevant. It could add up and stack to still full um, degrees, but in a meaningful way, it would also have the uh, sort of the positive externality of overnight solving all of the transfer credit problems. So there's, yeah, there's mass and efficiency in the system when people do participate at one university and then try and transfer it across. If you were just certified, had a, uh, a semester that was credentialed, and all universities didn't need to accept it or not. They just stacked on each other. And this one came from this university and this one came from another. You know, you would solve that problem as well. Magic wand, simple change, biggest bang for the buck. I totally agree. And also, I think it does give educational institutions a role to play, right? If they can become the, the certifying authority. So let's just say, you know, Again, the magic wand uh, solution. Let's get rid of degrees and think of every learning uh, metric as a certification program, or even maybe a micro certificate, micro credentialing, and make that micro credentialing with unique inputs, unique outcomes that anybody can achieve, whether they are in a in their first grade, right, trying to learn how to add, or whether in 10th grade, trying to learn how to do advanced calculus, 
Um, but once you start splitting the entire K through 20 into a micro series of micro credentials, whether they'll be thousand or 10,000 of them, doesn't matter. Then you can start stacking those micro credentials on each other and saying, you know, in a legacy 10th grade, uh, a, a student can be in a 10th grade calculus level and uh, sixth grade literature level and fifth grade uh, science level. And it doesn't matter what age they are in because ultimately the key is for only way for us to move from cows in a cow pen analogy to each person has their own unique lifestyle, unique understanding of learning and build those micro-credentials and sequence them or allow them to grow in the trajectory, the better. And I think your concept of evidence-based mastery and certification that goes every step of the way is absolutely critical. And I really think that, you know, the more we implement it from employers' perspective and push it top down, the, the more universities, especially vocational and community schools, will fall online. Because if you think about it, the true disruptors for education will not be four-year colleges. They will be mostly vocational schools and community schools because they are more hungry for taking on the four-year colleges and competing with them by providing true job skills. So I think there's an opportunity for us to move them in the right direction. I think absolutely I love this idea of micro-credentialing being the future of education. So, um, yeah, I agree with you completely on micro-credentials being the future of education. I want to ask you one last question before we end okay. this off. Um, so let's take this micro-credentials also as the basis for a new learning platform. And have you seen game-based learning as a way to do micro-credentials and evaluate them from moving from one game's level to the next game level? I think... Um, I mean, I've, I've got a strong opinion. It might be unpopular here, but I mean, the same way we need to unbundle, not not sort of throw everything together. Gamification is about engagement. It's not about um, measurement. Um, and it's just not, you know, um, if right. you think of your Peloton, like having, um, so I've got a Peloton. Sure. I love it. And I am motivated by the, by the streaks. I am motivated by the, the, the personal records, sort of the badges I can earn. But you know, when I go to my doctor, you know, like that isn't the actual measurement of my health. The fact that I've had a 47, you know, week streak on my Peloton, like it just <laughs> isn't, you know, you still have to, you, you have to take my, my blood levels and, you know, cholesterol level and my heart rates and, you know, like the, they aren't the same thing. Sure. Gamification's about engagement and engagement's important because learning is hard and persisting through learning is hard. So it, it plays a really important role. But no, I don't think the world should. I don't think we should be trying to. I don't really believe, you know, philosophically that they are the same thing. You know, they just have a different role to play. Both are important, but different. Right. I agree. I think you you, are, you might be onto something. Again, I think I was really thinking that if we can somehow sequence the micro-credentials in such a way that each level will be a new gamification level, that would be something we can use. But you're right. Uh, you can't apply this to all the learning pedagogy style, right? So each student has their own trajectory and we make a mistake of saying, well, everybody likes games. So let's use that as a tech delivery model. 
you know, David, this has been a profoundly refreshing and enlightening conversation. I enjoyed every moment of sure. it. I'm really proud of what you've done to Degreed. Uh, you can rest assured that um, my company, End-to-End Services, will be a customer of Degreed because you know what you're offering is exactly what we're looking for. I'm really happy that we had this conversation, and uh, thank you. A lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, have a, have a, have a fantastic new year, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Illuminate Higher Education, sponsored by End-to-End Services and our Illuminate app. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast. And share this episode with your network. You can learn more about Illuminate app at illuminateapp.com and continue the conversation with us there. If there are any topics you'd like us to discuss further, please email them to us at podcast at n2nservices.com. That's podcast at n2nservices.com. Thank you.